Welcome to today's program. My friend, today I'm going to give you five steps to change your thinking. I don't know about you, but I grew up with some religious thinking about God that was incorrect. And I had to learn how to change my thinking. And today I'm going to give you five simple steps to change your thinking. But I'm teaching for my brand new series, which is called Keeping Your Thinking Straight. You got to keep your thinking straight. The subtitle says Biblical Guidelines for Thinking Straight in a World All Messed Up. My friends, you need to know what to think correctly about God, about religion, about prejudice, about money. And we cover all of these in this amazing series that you will just relish. You will eat it up. So order yours today by going online or by giving us a call. And remember that it comes with a study guide. And right now we're also offering you my book, which is called How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy. If you think the world has gone berserk, you are right. And the Holy Spirit prophesied that that would be a sign that we're coming to the very end of the age when deception and delusion begins to pervade society. But we need to keep our brains in our heads. We don't need to be so open-minded that our brains fall out. God gave us a mind, and God wants us to be sound-minded. We need to know how to keep our head on straight in a world gone crazy. And this book addresses so many subjects, and it will be a blessing to you or to somebody that you know. And remember that when you become a partner with our ministry, we're going to send you my book, which is called Life in the Combat Zone, and Denise's book called The Gift of forgiveness. And if you have a prayer need, reach out to us. If you don't know anybody else to reach out to, we're here and we're waiting for the phone to ring. We're waiting for your email to show up in our inbox so that we can begin to really pray for whatever it is that's on your heart. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 19, if two of you will agree as touching anything on earth, I'll do it. We'll get into agreement with you. And Jesus really means business. If we'll get into agreement, he will move and he will answer. But we need to know how to pray so we can get into agreement with you. And we would love to hear from you so we could release our faith with you. But I'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Reach for your Bible. And my friend, today we have a lot to cover in this program. So let's begin in James chapter 1. And today we're going to begin in verse 21, which we covered briefly yesterday, where James is addressing how we are to remove wrong attitudes and wrong thinking. If you have any wrong thinking, you can remove it, but you need to know how. And James tells us, beginning in verse 21, where he says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, well, that's a mouthful of King James words, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. What does the Bible mean when it says, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness? Well, the words lay apart are translation of the Greek word apotithemi, and this is a powerful, powerful word and quite an illustration. The word apo means away and carries the idea of distance. The word tithemi means to lay or to place or to put down. But when you put the two words together, apo and tithemi, it forms the word apotithemi, which means take off, lay down, push away, 
put distance between yourself and that thing that you have removed, lay it down and push it away from you, so far from you that you can't reach over and retrieve it again. Put permanent space between you and that thing. And this phrase, lay apart, the Greek word apotithemi is the very word which was used by the Greeks to denote the removal of their soiled clothes at the end of the day. They didn't want to go to bed in their dirty clothes. So at the end of the day, they would lay apart their clothes. They would take them off. So let me ask you, how do you remove your clothes at the end of the day? Do you stand in front of the mirror and say, okay, clothes, I'm done with you. I recognize I don't need you anymore. Come off. And do they just magically come off of you? Of course not. For you to get out of those dirty clothes, you have to make a decision to remove them. You have to decide to use your fingers to push the button through the buttonhole, to unzip the zipper, to take your arm out of the sleeves, your leg out of the pants. You have to intentionally remove them. And the very use of this word, apotithemi, here translated lay apart, tells us just because you recognize you have old thinking that needs to be removed does not mean it's going to be removed. You've got to get involved intentionally in removing wrong thinking. You've got to push the button through the buttonhole. You've got to unzip the zipper, check the arm out of that sleeve, the leg out of those pants and say, I'm getting out of this. I've been trapped in this grimy old way of thinking for too long and I'm gonna do whatever I have to do to change the way that I think. That is exactly what these words lay apart mean. It's not magical. You have to get involved in changing the way that you think. And the thinking that he's describing is so bad, he calls it filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. And I told you yesterday that the word filthiness is the Greek word ruparia, which denotes something that is filthy, vile, soiled, dirty, obnoxiously filthy, especially used to denote filthy and smelly clothes. You probably won't change the way you're thinking until you realize how stinking your thinking is. And James here is saying when you have a belief about God or anything else that is wrong, it will create a stinking mess in your life. And you need to acknowledge this is not worthy of you. You need to step out of that filth. That's what he calls wrong thinking. And then he goes on to call it superfluity of naughtiness. What in the world does that mean? Well, the word superfluity is the Greek word perisase, which describes something that is excessive, exceeding, something so profuse that it can be likened to a river that is overflowing and flooding its banks. And I always think about when I was a child because my great grandpap Miller lived next to a creek that overflowed every year. The creek was so filthy, stinking, dirty. It was like a mud creek. And when that creek came out of its banks, it slimed everything around. It was just horrible, everything covered with slime and with mud. And here, James uses this word to tell us if we don't get a grip on our thinking and choose to remove it, it will begin to slime everything around us. People around you will be affected by your wrong thinking. That wrong thinking will begin to slime and affect every part of your life. And he calls it superfluity of naughtiness. The word naughtiness, the Greek word kakia, something bad, evil, vile, 
foul, and the very word used in the Gospels when the Bible says someone was grievously vexed with demon spirits. That word vexed is the Greek word kakia, somebody really vexed, which means you can become vexed by wrong thinking. It can paralyze you. It can stagnate your life. You can become vexed by wrong thinking. And my friends, you don't want that. But instead, James tells us what to do. He says, wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness that can vex you and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. The word receive is the Greek word dekomai. The word dekomai means to take quickly, to take readily, to take with a receptive and welcoming attitude. It is making the decision. I'm going to throw open the door to the word of God. I'm going to welcome the word of God into my life and I'm going to receive it with meekness. Well, what in the world does meekness mean? The word meekness is the Greek word proutes. And the word proutes does not describe a weak person. That's what most people think meekness is, somebody that is mealy-mouthed or someone that is weak. But in fact, the word proutes, translated meekness, actually describes, listen, a very strong-willed individual who says, I know what I think, I've always thought this, I've always believed this, but when he's meek, he is choosing to lay aside his opinions and his convictions to receive the authority of someone else in his life. So a meek person is actually a very opinionated very strong-willed person who has made a deliberate choice to lay aside his opinion, to lay aside his will, and to submit to what someone else says. And this is so very important because if you don't make a decision to submit your thinking to God's Word, you'll never believe what God says. For example, if you believe that God has remotely sent tragedy into your life or God allows bad things to happen to you and you've been raised to believe that, and then you hear somebody say, James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, your will will say, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. The only way that word, James 1.17, is going to take root inside you is if you say, I know what I believed, I know what my experience in the past has been, I know how I've been religiously trained, but... I'm going to lay all of that aside and I'm going to be meek. I'm going to submit to James 1:17, which says every good and perfect gift is from above. I'm going to make myself think the thoughts of God. That's really what this word meekness means. And it says receive with meekness the engrafted word. What in the world does engrafted mean? It is the Greek word emphutas. It means engrafted or subsequently implanted. And I'm going to read to you directly from my notes. The term engrafted is the Greek word emphutos, and it describes something that is engrafted or implanted later in life. It is not something that we were born with. An illustration of this word emphutos, the Greek word engrafted, would be someone who has an organ transplant. They're dying. They're not going to live unless they have an organ transplant. So finally, a donor gives an organ. The organ is put into their body. Ah, that's what they need to live. It will save their life. But isn't it interesting that when someone receives a new organ, an organ transplant, the body immediately begins to reject it. And the only way that you can 
accept that organ and that organ stay in your life and you not reject that organ is by you taking medication for the rest of your life, which enables that organ to function inside you. You have to receive it. You have to do medically what you have to do for that organ to work inside you or you will reject it. And now we find the word of God is an engrafted word. We were not born with this truth inside us. We have different experience. We have different opinions. We've had wrong teaching. Then the word of God comes and the word of God wants to give us right thinking. But when it comes in us, it has the power to save us. It's an engrafted word. It comes to us later in life. But our experience says, I don't agree with that. Our experience says, that's not what I've experienced. Our former teaching says, that's not what I was taught. And the only way the word of God is going to be engrafted in you and save you is if you receive it with meekness. Meekness, the Greek word parates, which means I know what I think. I know what I've taught. I know what I've believed, but all of that, I'm going to lay it all aside and I'm making a decision to receive the word receive, the Greek word dekomai, with a welcoming attitude, I'm going to throw open the door and receive with meekness this engrafted word that God has put inside me. And the verse says, which has the power or the ability to save your soul. Now, my friends, that is amazing. It is amazing. And I'm going to give you five steps to eliminate wrong thinking and to obtain right thinking. Are you ready? Number one, number one submission. You have to submit to the authority of God. That is a requirement. You have to choose to come under his authority, believe what he says in his word, then do it regardless of what you think or what you feel. So number one, submission. Number two, elimination. You must determine to eliminate your own opinion and feelings and anything else that would distract or keep you from submitting to God's authority. You've got to take it off, lay it down, push it away and determine you will never reach over and pick it up again. You've got to align yourself with God and part of aligning yourself with God means eliminating wrong thinking. So number two, elimination. Number three, decision. Decide that you will not veer from what God said, but that you will remain committed to the principles of his word, regardless of what you feel or what you're tempted to think. You are making a decision. Number four, continuation. Your decision is not a one-time event, but an ongoing commitment to continually eliminate wrong thinking and remain in submission to the word of God. And number five, reception. Reception. As you walk out the first four steps, your whole being will finally begin to receive the word of God into your life, which is able to save your soul. So here they are again, five steps. Number one, submission. Number two, elimination. Number three, decision. Number four, continuation. Number five, reception. And if you'll do all five of these, James 1.21 says, this engrafted word which has come in you has the ability to save your souls. And the word able, the Greek word dunamai, which describes power or ability, that word which has come into you subsequently later in life has within it ability. It has power. And the Bible says it has the power to save your soul. Soul, where your soul is where your problems are. 
You say, well, what do you mean by my soul? I'm not talking about your spirit. Your spirit can be saved and your soul still be all messed up. That's the case with most Christians. They're saved. The Holy Spirit's in their spirit, but their mind has been programmed wrong. They have wrong thinking. That's the soul, which in Greek is the word suke. It describes the mind, the will, and the emotions. And if your mind has been thinking wrong, if you will deliberately receive the word of God into you, that engrafted word really has the power to save your head, to change the way that you think. Then James tells us, in James 1, verse 22, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. I really love that he says, be ye, because in Greek it means start now, start where you are, start today, be ye becoming. God doesn't expect perfection overnight. He just wants you to get started. He says, be ye doers. Well, the word doers is the Greek word poietes. It's where we get the word for a poet or one who has a creative flair, which means when the word of God comes to you, you have to find a way even creatively to do the word of God. If you can't find a convenient way to do it, then get creative. Find a way to do what you're hearing preached to you. Let the word of God work in you and participate with the word that's been planted inside you. And then he says, and not hearers only. In Greek, it is the word akroetes, which was used to describe individuals who audited a class rather than take it for credit. It depicted a hearer only or one who had no intention of applying what he heard. He merely attended the class but had no plans to implement what was taught. And here we find there are two kinds of Christians. There are serious Christians who hear the word of God and do it. There's a second category of Christian. They hear the word of God, but they have no intention of doing it. They're just auditing church. They have no intention of putting it into practice. And the Bible says, if you're category number two, if you're the one that just audits the course and you're not intending to put it into practice, you're deceiving your own selves. Deceiving your own selves, the Greek word paralogizomai, a very interesting word, which was used to describe a librarian who compared documents and made an analysis and a conclusion, but he made a miscalculation. And in this verse, James is saying, if you think coming to church and just hearing the word is enough, you have made a serious miscalculation. You're deceiving your own self. It's not about hearing. It is in the doing of the word that it really takes root and it begins to operate inside you. And in verse 23, he says, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. The word beholding, the Greek word katanoeo, means to think down, to recognize, to contemplate his natural face. The Greek literally says the face that he was born with. The word glass is the Greek word for a mirror. Well, when you wake up every morning and look in the mirror, what do you see? You see the face that you were born with. Women immediately begin to cover it with cosmetics. Men begin to shave. We begin to comb our hair. We try to fix the face that we were born with. But interesting that the word glass that is used here this word mirror describes a very small mirror like this. This is a real Greek or Roman mirror. This is what their mirrors looked like. And they were small. You could just see one little area at a time. And with that little mirror, you could see what needs to be fixed. But then you'd have to move the mirror and look over at the other side because it was a small mirror that didn't reveal 
everything at one time. And in the same way, the Word of God and the work of the Holy Spirit is not to show us everything that needs to change in our lives at once, but He deals with us one area at a time, one area of thinking that is wrong. And then He moves the mirror and says, now let me show you another area of thinking that is wrong. And the Bible goes on to say, for He beholdeth Himself and goes His way, goes his way in Greek means he's on the move, he's on the way. He saw what was wrong, but he straightway forgetteth what manner of man that he was. The word forgetteth in Greek means to turn away from and to forget, to deliberately ignore, to disregard, and to eventually completely forget. He saw what needed to be fixed, but he took no action to bring correction. And there's a lot of people like that. God speaks to them. They see something in the Word. As the Holy Spirit shows them one area and then another area, they see it, they acknowledge it, but they do nothing about it. But verse 25 says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth there, he be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of this work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. And when this verse says, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, it is a Greek word, parakupto, from the word para, which means alongside. The word kupto, which means to stoop or to lower oneself. When you compound it all together, it means to peer deeply into a mirror to take a close-up look and a realistic view of what the mirror reveals so you can make a correction. And here we see the picture of a table mirror. And I just so happen to have a real authentic Greek and Roman table mirror. And you see, it is bigger than the other mirror. The first mirror reveals the problem. But the forgetful hearer looks at it and goes his way. But the hearer that is serious about changing the way that he thinks, he hovers over the word of God. He gets the bigger mirror and says, I'm not leaving until I really understand what needs to change in my life. And the Bible says, and continueth therein. The Greek word parameno. Para again means alongside. The word meno means to abide. When you compound the two words together, it means to remain next to, to remain alongside of, to persevere. It is the equivalent of someone who says, I'm not going to leave this mirror. I'm going to keep looking into the perfect law of liberty, which is the word of God, until I am set free. That's why it's called the perfect law of liberty. That word liberty is the word that describes a slave that has been emancipated, which means if you'll look into the Word of God and do the Word of God and receive it into your life, it will set you free from every form of slavery and bondage in your life. And the Bible goes on to say, this man shall be blessed in his deed. The word blessed the Greek word makarios, which means ridiculously blessed, supremely blessed, blessed beyond measure. And it says he'll be blessed in his deed, the word deed, the Greek word poieo, which means in his doing of the word of God. It's not enough to hear. It's not enough to see. You've got to throw open the door and receive it with meekness. You have to say, I'm going to put away all my wrong thinking and I will intentionally receive the word of God into my life. And if you will do that, the Bible promises you'll be ridiculously blessed, blessed beyond measure, because the perfect law of liberty will set you free and will give you a new ability to think right. I'll be back in just a moment, and I'm going to pray for you. Is your thinking right or wrong? If you figured out that some of your thinking is wrong, how do you fix it and start thinking healthy and right thoughts? 
What goes on inside your head determines what goes on in your life. So keeping your thinking straight is really important. In this five-part series, Keeping Your Thinking Straight, Rick Renner will teach you five steps to change your thinking. Thinking straight about religion. Thinking straight about prejudice in the church. Thinking straight about economic status and money. Available in digital and physical formats starting at just $10. You'll learn how to identify wrong thinking and start thinking healthy, powerful, and life-changing thoughts. In addition, we are also offering you Rick's book, How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy. In this book, you'll discover what Christians need to be doing to stay out of the chaos and remain anchored to truth. You'll also learn how to stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to discern right and wrong teaching, to be grounded in prayer, and to be spiritually prepared for living in victory in these last days. Let Rick take you deep into New Testament prophecies about the end of the age and about what you need to do to sail successfully through turbulent end-time waters. This powerful and eye-opening book can be yours for just $20. Don't miss this special offer, this series, Keeping Your Thinking Straight, and the book, How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. Friends, this is Rick Renner. I want to give you a good report. It is amazing, but we just signed the papers to purchase our new building in Tulsa, a new headquarters for our ministry. We've been in the same location for years and years and years, and we've outgrown it. And because so many people are reaching out to us for more teaching and for prayer and for ministry, we need more space so we can effectively minister to them. And at the same time, we're constructing our studio in Moscow, where we're going to be filming the most wonderful Bible teaching programs that touch people all over the world. But the only reason we're able to do all of this at one time is because of people like you that are members of our giving team. And because of your gifts, we're able to do this in Tulsa, we're able to do this in Moscow. And my friends, I want to remind you that it's not about the buildings, no, no, no. It's about people that need to be touched. We just need space so that we can minister to them. And I want to say thank you so much for being a part of the giving team and remaining a part of the giving team as we get the buildings ready and put up walls and get ready to produce programming and to minister to people all over the face of the planet. And if you're not a partner and a member of our giving team yet, please become a part of our team today. We've covered so much material today and tomorrow we're going to see what the Bible says about prejudice in the church. We need to really straighten our thinking about what the Bible says about prejudice in the church. But I want you to order the entire series, which is called Keep Your Thinking Straight. Keep your thinking straight. The subtitle says, Biblical Guidelines for Thinking Straight in a World All Messed Up. Oh, this is such a transformational series, and it comes with a study guide. And we're also offering you right now my book, which is called How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy, Developing Discernment for These Last Days. You can order all of these by going online 
or by giving us a call right now. And please let us know how to pray for you. We really want to pray for you, but we need to know how to pray. So give us a call or send us your email. But Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. We're not victims of wrong thinking. We have the ability to choose to think right thoughts. Thank you for speaking to us so clearly in your word about how to do this. In Jesus' marvelous name, amen. I'll see you tomorrow, but remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there's power. 